Hi, I'm Andy Truscott, Program Officer at the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host today. My guest today is Leslie Shaver, the Executive Director at the Delaware Contemporary, located on Wilmington's Riverfront. Welcome to the Delaware State of the Arts, Leslie. How are you? Thank you, Andrew. So nice to be here. I'm looking forward to our chat. So uh, for those that don't know where the Delaware Contemporary is located on the Riverfront, can you give us a bit of a, a hint about how to find you? We are at the corner of Justison and West Street. We, I'm looking right now at the Barclay plays um, office building and AAA. So we're right on that corner and that sort of northeast corner. You guys really are the, the key and the crux of all things contemporary art here in Wilmington, uh, which is a, a lovely complement to some of the other arts organizations like the Delaware Art Museum and others. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about what the term contemporary arts means for those that might not know? Um, so here at the Delaware Contemporary, we focus on artists that are living and working today. We try to put another focus on art artists that are working within about a 250 mile radius of Wilmington, where we're situated. And the idea is to try to be more regional in our, our approach while uh, on occasion, a few times a year, contextualizing those uh, regional artists with you know, national and international artists to provide conversations that might not exist just within our region or to broaden you know, those subjects a little bit further beyond our our immediate region, the Mid-Atlantic. We don't collect. So that makes us um, unique uh, in the museums uh, that are located around us. So the, the Biggs Museum of Art and the Delaware Art Museum all have wonderful collections and they contextualize their contemporary art within a more historical trend. Ours is exclusively living, working artists today. And within the Delaware Contemporary, you have artists' workspaces. So we are quite literally not just exhibiting the art, but in many cases, the art is being created on site. Is that correct? That is correct. There are 26 studios that are on site. We have six on our ground level and 20 on our second level. We have dedicated two of those studios, two of the 26 studios, uh, exclusively to for artists and they are awarded, it is a competitive, they are awarded a one-year studio at no cost, a stipend to um, assist with um, materials and costs, um, additional materials, money. They receive professional development. They receive access to a mentor. And at the end of the one-year program, they will also have their work shown in a professional gallery exhibition here at the Delaware Contemporary. This year's recipients are um, Kashmira Seymour, Alejandro Leal, Chiffon Taylor, and John Webb. And each of these are working in very different ways. They're each at different parts of their career, um, but they're coming together to develop their craft uh, from a point of coming into the studio until the end of the program. And so we're really fortunate to have uh, support for that. This is the second year we're doing it. And so uh, at the end of the first, and as you roll into your second, uh, are there any kind of major takeaways that you you guys have observed from this program? Yes, and the incubator, um, being a part of the incubator, which I don't know if you, you mentioned this, but the Delaware Contemporary is one of five organizations that was selected by the state to participate in eight months long um, incubator residency program with DDOA officials and state officials, as well as uh, consultants in the area of art and culture, uh, anywhere from 
content specialists, and we were very fortunate to have contemporary art content specialists to fundraising and budgeting and organizational um, stabilization. And that was really beneficial to us. And what we took away from that process as well as from year one to two was that, that the um, having funding to provide for these artists was really important. Often they cannot take a day off of work to come in to work in a studio. The studio rent, having that 100% um, contributed was also really important so that they could spend that time in a studio and have a dedicated space. Artists are so creative these days. You know, we found, especially during COVID, artists were working wherever they could, at their kitchen table, you know, in their basements, you know, in their bedrooms, wherever they might. And having um, the studio space to really spread out and maybe work a, a little differently in a messier way than they may be able to at home to have the um, advisement of a mentor or curatorial team, as well as um, critiques along the process to provide them with that professional development so that the direction they're going on is informed and thoughtful um, was really something that, that we added this year, um, as well as introducing them to just some basics. So, you know, how do I frame my art? How do I, how do I um, even stretch a canvas? You know, how do I write about myself? You know, what are people looking for? Those kind of basic artist skills that um, really help our audiences and collectors and other museum and gallerists connect with the artists. It's, it's something that we found can help an emerging artist be more successful. And that's what we're looking for. And for those that might not appreciate or understand the reason for a separate workspace, can you talk a little bit about why uh, an artist having uh, a workspace like this outside of their home is so important? A couple of reasons. One, I think for themselves and unfortunately for the history um, of art, you know, that immediately precedes us, having a studio somehow authenticates themselves as an artist. It's absolutely not necessary. And we are not doing this to say that you need a studio to be an artist, but to have that space rather to um, have some distance, have some white walls, you know, whether it's not interfering with other things that may surround it and to give them that perspective um, of just the work that they're working on. It's also a time, I think, for dedicated, uh, focused work. You know, a lot of us now are working from home. And one of the things that I value most working from home is that somebody's not popping in and out of my office all day long, right? As much as I, you know, want to interact with my colleagues, sometimes everyone needs a little time and space to really be creative and thoughtful and think about what it is that they're trying to do in a very focused way. And I think having a studio provides that distance and that focus away from other things in people's life, their work, their families, you know, other things that may distract them out if they're trying to create in a, in a multi-purpose space. Um, they're also here, I think this is one of the great things about this residency in a community of other artists. And I will tell you, whenever I walk through the galleries, um, up to the studios or back and forth, I see artists in and out of the galleries, talking to each other in the hall, looking at each other, providing informal critique, providing informal advice, really um, connecting on a different level um, as an artist than you might with, um, you know, say, say non-artists, right? And I think that that whole community of artists supports one another and pushes one another in a way that even just the residency or the studio can't produce. 
in the galleries right now, one of our newer studio artists, Lisa Marie Patzer, she works in new media um, and media installation. And so she has been transforming um, that space into a very interactive place for um, us to kind of contemplate, um, you know, how artists think and how artists, art can be playful and provocative, um, you know, in this way. Um, we have, I was just trying to think, we have two artists in there that are making clothing. Um, and so really bringing in design and fashion and, um, and style into the studios. And these are all artists that have come around in the last two years since, um, you know, the beginning of COVID, you know, and now starting to open up and be able to talk to each other a little bit more. And we do have studios on site that are available from time to time. If someone does vacate their studio for whatever reason, maybe they want to go into a different space or they move out of, you know, out of state. Um, so I would encourage other artists, you know, to continually look if they may want to rent a space as well. Those are often available. Are there opportunities for the general public to tour and kind of see those art studios? Yes. We are one of the institutions that participates in the City of Wilmington's First Friday Art Loop. Uh, so on Art Loop nights, the studios will be open. There are some keystone ones that kind of align with our major exhibition openings. So September, um, December, February, and June tend to be uh, big months when a lot of the studios will be open, but they uh, are usually open during the hours of Art Loop from five to nine on those first Friday days. I would like to also, as we're talking about opportunities, um, bring attention to another new program that was also supported by the incubator and the DDOA in part, and it's our, our new artist registry. Um, and this is, I know the DDOA has um, a registry that covers performing arts um, as well as visual arts. This is only for visual artists um, because that's our, our focus. But uh, we started this also about a year ago and we're now moving into the second year of it. And it collects the portfolios of artists again in a 250 mile radius. The intent with this is for us to broaden um, our knowledge base internally about artists that are working in our region in different disciplines, uh, to include them in exhibitions and programs. We feature one every month on our website and social media. Next year, next summer, um, all of our galleries will be turned over to artists that are selected from this registry, so about 50, 60 artists will be invited to participate in um, exhibitions throughout the summer uh, on the, in the Delaware Contemporaries galleries. Um, this registry is, has about 150 now, and we share it with other gallerists, with other curators, with other art programmers, so that they too may um, be able to find um, matches with either collectors or exhibition programs or projects that they're looking to fill. These are great opportunities for our local and regional artists to participate uh, in some professional development or some re registering of work. Um, but the general public also finds uh, interesting and creative ways into the building. And I know you've got a few exhibitions that are uh, about to come down on August 21st and some that will begin popping back up in September. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to give you some opportunities here to talk about some of the exciting things that are on the walls now and might be coming on the walls in, in early fall. Right now, we are um, in the last few weeks of our summer exhibition series. Our exhibition series are programmed three times per 
per year. We open one in September, we open one at the end of January, and then we open one at the beginning of June. And those seasons are um, designed thematically. There may be five exhibitions, there may be three exhibitions, there may be one exhibition, but within the season, we try very hard to create uh, a narrative between the galleries and between the galleries and the public. And so each season you come in, it will be a completely new grouping of artists and exhibitions. This season for summer that opened on June 10th is called Play, A Summer of Play. Um, and within the summer of play, we have an artist who created pinatas that are hanging from our um, the ceiling of our lobby space. So you see them immediately when you walk through the threshold. And within that are all kinds of fun things that are unexpected in pinatas, as well as things like candy that are expected in pinatas, unexpected or affirmations, you know, how we can choose to, um, you know, change our, our life um, in the direction that we want. This artist also created a live painting that has been developing over the course of the summer in our, our Draper Gallery where she has put bins out as well as a canvas, as well as paint and asking the, the audience to participate in creating a collective work um, on this giant canvas uh, through their uh, pushing of paint, either in a paintball or a squirt gun or however they might get it onto the canvas. And so that's kind of fun and playful way um, to interact um, with contemporary art and contemporary artists. Uh, we have another artist who's in the galleries, Joyce Lee, and her work um, has projections that are um, positioned either above these piles of play sand. And, you know, play sand is that sand that's in sandboxes and things, um, looking at our relationship with the world um, under the sea, you know, the um, the implications of playing and um, enjoying the water in our oceans. Um, and we have another um, series that was created by our curator in residence, Tiffany Barber, on Humor Me and how art and contemporary art can be humorous. And in this installation, an artist has created a way for you to look through um, virtual reality or augmented reality at her her installation. And so um, through all of these different installations within play, we can really think about what play means to us, what play means in the world of contemporary art and how audiences can, can connect with that on their own level. This season started with a conference, a mini conference that was more scholarly and talked about uh, the significance um, of play in healthy communities and healthy adults. And so we had some experts in to, you know, talk about the behavioral science behind that and, and some, some statistics and some data on tracking um, how play might mitigate trauma and other things that are, um, you know, negative barriers to success. These programs all summer have been jointly um, planned with the Delaware Children's Museum because where better to play when you are little than at the Delaware Children's Museum? And we worked with them to collaborate on a mural there as well. And so actually this um, week, I know it's going to miss some of the audiences, but if, if you come back from now until the end of time, I hope you'll be able to see this new mural um, by an artist named Jared Harris at the Delaware Children's Museum. And that is a document of our season of lay. One last event that we have that 
right, that the audience can participate in is our seasonal dinner in the gallery. And the seasonal dinners bring in a chef from around the region to look at our installations and to create a menu that is inspired by those installations. And so next Friday, um, August 19th from 5 to 8 p.m., we are hosting a dinner and there are tickets available on our website under um, events. It's called Palette to Palette. And Natalie Jenks of Natalie Jenks of uh, Natalie's Foods will be the chef here and she's creating a play with your food dinner menu. So come on over and play with food and enjoy the art before it closes on August 21. We too want to play a little bit around with that as to the artist that we work in, which is that collaboration between an artist um, and the viewer. And, and also, you know, um, do art museums always have to be so serious? You know, can we from time to time have fun and enjoy um, being part of that process, I think is, is something that we've enjoyed. So we learned this from the Children's Museum. They're so much fun. Um, you had mentioned that you guys have some other uh, events coming up, both in this fall, but then some other scholarly things. Go for it. I would love to yeah. hear more. Well, we're really excited um, about what comes next. Actually, every season is super exciting. We we close for two weeks. We take down one show and then up goes the next um, in that two-week period. So it's a little bit of madness, but it's so spectacular to come in on that day when it's all done. In this fall, we have been working with three guest curators. So we have Jenna Lucente, who's one of our studio artists, uh, Catherine Didi, who works at Salem Community College, and then Alex Rosenberg, who was a professor at Salem and um, is, a, is a glass artist himself. This exhibition is on contemporary glass, and it's the whole exhibition, um, excuse me, the whole galleries are, are taken over by one exhibition. This very rarely happens. We think about this as a kind of a biennial. We're looking at contemporary glass. So to qualify for this exhibition, the artist must have incorporated glass into the production of their work. And that is really very different across, I think there are about 37 artists in this exhibition and four of them were selected and the remaining artists were selected through a call. So we sent out a call for entry and took proposals from artists. I think we had over a hundred and they selected um, 33, 34 of them to participate in this exhibition. So you'll walk in and every single gallery will be dedicated to a show called through a glass darkly. Um, and it will be in the lobby. It will be in, you know, each, each different little space in, in the, in the museum galleries um, organized by certain kinds of topics. This will run through January. So just after the holidays, it will come down for our, our spring shows. This exhibition is really going to challenge, I think, audiences to really think about a couple of things. One craft versus fine art, right? Craft and, um, you know, textile arts, ceramics and that have always had a different position within the art world in museums. And so I think this glass will inform that scholarship on, on the highest level of um, production for glass artists and where glass artists are now positioned in 2022 within that whole uh, conversation about fine art. Um, we are really lucky to see how much talent is coming from around the region, you know, to bring some of those more regional glass artists into our space to see how they are uh, constructing it. But glass also has, um, you know, utilitarian purpose. And that's really a lot about how we think about it. Just here on my desk, I have a glass water bottle. I have a glass holding up my pencils, you know, I have a water glass. I mean, we all have different relationships with glass. And so I'm hoping through our programming um, over the fall that, that people, 
people will be able to, to kind of merge those to the idea of this art glass, which is, does not have to be Dale Chihuly, right? I mean, there are so many more ways that glass is um, being produced through, um, you know, through the utilitarian aspects of it. The Salem Community College, our partner on this, or, you know, one of our partners in this exhibition, they have a major for their students on scientific glass, you know, so they're learning in, in their classrooms how to, to build um, glass for scientific purposes, which I think is also really fascinating. And, and we're hoping to delve a little bit into that. One of the highlights of this fall that I have to bring to everyone's attention that we are so super excited about and just received funding from PNC Alive, a grant from them to make this happen, is the Corning Museum of Glass. Um, and that is, you know, one of the largest museums dedicated to glass in the country. They also have, again, a science and a, and a um, utilitarian um, production through through Corning Glass, the corporation. The museum offers to institutions a mobile hotshot. And a hotshot, which I didn't know about this until I visited Corning, is um, how glass is being blown and made. You know, this is these are the, oh my gosh, I, I don't know all of the technical terms, but this is where the glass artists put on their safety gear and their goggles and their tools, and they blow the glass into so many different forms and shapes, um, you know, by heating it in these ovens that are, you know, so super intensely hot and, um, and then cooling it and then, you know, adding new pieces to it and refiring it. And so this can actually take place um, mobily. It doesn't have to be in a static studio space if you have the technology and the Corning does. And so they're bringing down a 48 foot trailer that has been fit out with a hot shop in it. And it's the mobile hot shop and it's going to sit uh, outside of the Delaware Contemporary from November 2nd to November um, 6th. And it will, we will offer to the public uh, opportunities to see glass being blown live. So um, they will be able to sit for, I think the demonstrations are anywhere between 30 and 40, 45 minutes from the beginning of a piece of art to the final product. Uh, so we're really, really excited to offer Wilmington and the greater um, Newcastle County the opportunity to come down here and witness um, glass being blown live here through the expert glass blowers from Corning. Delaware State of the Arts is a weekly podcast that presents interviews with arts organizations and leaders who contribute to the cultural vibrancy of communities throughout Delaware. Delaware State of the Arts is provided as a service of the Delaware Division of the Arts in partnership with News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV.